0: Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. And hello if you are watching on the video at a later date. I don't know if you know, but if you can't make it on a Sunday morning, if you're serving upstairs with our kids, thank you. Or if you're away visiting family and you'd like to catch up with the sermons, they're available on our YouTube. So a special hello if you're catching up late today. And we'd love to see you in person another time soon. This morning, I'm carrying on our series. We've been looking at a particular verse in the Bible. and in fact, I've got the clicker here, so let's get organized. And this is it. It is, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's an invitation that Jesus gave to some guys, and it's something that we are kind of pushing into as a church family. And so if you have been around for a little while, then you will know that we started off with that first phrase, come, follow me. An invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us to say, come along. You're invited. I want you with me. Jesus is the one who longs to break into our lives and to make a difference with us. And I don't know where you're at on your journey with God, but mine started quite a long time ago. Um, I grew up going to church my parents took me from when I was a little dot, and when I was about seven, I went along to a holiday club in the summer holidays. Some grown-ups had spent some time organising crafts and games and Bible stories, and then um, gave a little talk each time. And I remember, at that time, I was small, I was seven, but I remember hearing some of the stories of Jesus and the challenge that was given to us, and the challenge was that I had to make a choice whether or not I wanted to follow Jesus. And I remember, even though I was seven, thinking, gosh, I've known about Jesus for a long time. Why has no one ever told me I need to do something about it? And very clearly and simply, they explained to us the basics of what we call the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that God made us to have friendship with him, that that friendship is broken because of the stuff that that we do wrong, but the Bible calls it sin, But God loves us so much that he wants us to be back in communion, back in relationship with him. And so he gives us an opportunity. He, He basically died on a cross, we'll celebrate that at Easter. He rose from the dead and he enabled us to come back into friendship with God. That's kind of what I understood in a nutshell as a child. And the journey that I've been on ever since then is to know and understand more and more of what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus, of walking with him and following him. And, you know, God broke into my life then. But then I had a number of years where I was asking questions. I had loads of doubts and things about it. I remember as a teenager going away on a weekend away, and I was struggling with all kinds of, is this true? Have I just believed this because this is what I've grown up knowing? And I remember I was lying on a wall in the back of the countryside looking up at the sky, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I need you to show me. If you're real, will you show me? And there in that moment, I saw a shooting star in the sky above me. And for me, that was just a sign of God saying, I hear you and I'm here. And you might say, oh, well, that's a coincidence. But the story of my life is that God has broken in, that there have been coincidences all through my story. A time when I met some people who said that they could hear God speak, and I was envious and amazed. And um, I said, look, I want what you've got. And they gathered around to pray for me. me. And as they prayed for me, one of the guys said, Joe, I know you've been going to church for like your whole life but I feel like God says, I really love you, Joe. And as my friend Nick said that, I heard that within me. I didn't hear an audible voice of God, but those same, exactly the same words, I really love you, Joe, resonated within me. God was breaking into my life. And he's done that with so many of us, hasn't he? You're sitting there and I know some of you are smiling and nodding because you've got those experiences of God breaking into your life of Jesus saying I'm here and I'm real come follow me and so we looked at that invitation thank you Pete come follow me and Paul reminded us what an honor it is to follow the person of Jesus the king who rules and reigns We're invited to know him, to meet with him, to grow in our awareness of him day by day and moment by moment. And I wonder what your story is in this because we look briefly at this verse in Matthew. Jesus said, I've come to call not those who think they're righteous but those who know they're sinners. And perhaps today as you're thinking about an invitation to follow Jesus, you're just thinking, actually, that's not for me. If you really knew what I was like, if you really knew what I'd done, then you would know that that invitation isn't for me. And this Bible verse says exactly the opposite to that. That Jesus is saying, I'm not after the people who think they've got it all together. I'm after you who know that you mess up, that you make mistakes, that you get it wrong, that you might think you've done so many things that disqualify you. And yet, he says, come follow me, you're the one that I've come for. And so, I suppose the question this morning is, and throughout my talk this morning, I'm just going to throw in a few questions that I'd love you to ponder. The question is, so what are you doing? What is each one of us doing with that invitation, come follow me? Have you chosen to personally and wholeheartedly follow Jesus? You know, Lynn shared that very moving message that she felt God had given us. And sometimes when we share um, a message that we think God is saying, sometimes we feel the emotion, some of the emotion that perhaps he's feeling. And I found it moving that she came and she cried, didn't she? And I know tears can be uncomfortable in British culture, but here we just accept. <laughs> tears are just one of those things. But what a thing to think that God is crying. God is saying, as I look at you, I love you. But I don't want the stuff that is in your life that's getting in the way. I've done business, I've died for that. I've I come so that you can be forgiven and free and set cle- set forgiven and clean and set free. And so what is each one of us doing with that invitation? Perhaps this morning is one of those moments of Jesus breaking in for you of saying again, come follow me. Don't just be someone who comes and sits in a chair, someone who serves and does the the teas and coffees or helps out with the kids. Don't just be someone who turns up at church. Come and be someone who follows me. And the next part of that verse, come follow me, is this, that I will make you. And Andy gave us two weeks um, with fantastic slides. I'm sorry, my slides are nothing like Andy's slides. He had all kinds of images and pictures, and they were wonderful, to help us think about how God makes us, how he forms us, how he changes us, how he moulds us to become like Jesus. And we had a bit of invitation, didn't we? We're in the period of Lent now, and it's an opportunity for us to maybe start doing things or stop doing some things, some practices that Jesus himself did, to put us in a place where our hearts are just open and responsive to him. And I suppose a bit of a reality check. So how's it going for you? Were there things that you committed to last week that you started for Lent, maybe things you gave up or practices you took on? How are you putting yourself in places to be shaped and formed like Jesus? You know, I chose a couple of practices. One of them has gone pretty well this week so far. One of them was slightly scuppered by white chocolate cream egg. And so... But the the goodness of God, the grace is that we have a new start every moment, that where we don't live up to our intention, our ambition, our trying to live the best for Jesus, that there is every opportunity to come back for him and have a new start. So how's it going for you? How is he forming you and making you? And then this morning we're starting to think about this third phrase, come follow me and I will make you. What will I make you? I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I don't know if you've heard that phrase much before. I wonder how you're feeling about it. Maybe it's new to you. You've never heard it before. You're a bit confused. Do I have to go and get a fishing rod? What is all of that about? Maybe you're somebody who's been around church for a while, and you're thinking, ah, I've heard about that before. Fishers of men, that relates to telling people about Jesus and hoping they're going to respond. Maybe your response is excitement and you think, woohoo, I love this. Great, let's go for it. This is what we call an evangelism talk. We're going to go and talk about how we go and share Jesus with people. But maybe as you think about it, you're actually feeling an emotion of disappointment because you have tried to share good news of Jesus with people that you love and it's not gone well. Maybe you're feeling afraid. You're thinking, oh my goodness, is she going to make us do something? Perhaps you're feeling a sense of anticipation just love you to sit with that phrase for a minute i'm going to make you fishes of men and just think about the emotion that evokes in you now to be honest for me i had a number of reactions when i knew that i'd been asked given this slot and asked to talk on this verse i was like oh thanks very much paul Um, because it does evoke a number of responses in me I do know people who I love and who I've prayed for who I would love to experience the goodness of Jesus that I have experienced and they haven't yet and so that excites me but it makes me feel sad I'm not into fishing and I have thought a bit about that sense of catching people have I got to go and get people to do things against their will that feels awkward that feels confrontational and what does it really mean do they not what if they don't want to be caught and so I've mulled on this verse a bit and one thing that I've been thinking about is is this a universal invitation or is this just what Jesus said to those fishermen who were called Simon and Andrew we know from the Bible we looked at this a few weeks back that the early disciples the early followers of Jesus were actually fishermen And Jesus was known for teaching in images and stories that were really relatable and relevant. So he talked about fish and he talked about sheep. He talked about families, sons and brothers. He talked about business, employers and employees. He was a brilliant communicator. And so is he just saying, look, um, come follow me. You're a teacher. Come follow me, I'll make you a superhead." Or you're a dancer. Come follow me, you'll get on strictly. Is he just saying, I'm going to kind of make you a souped up version of what you already are? Well, I don't think actually he is. If he was, those of us who aren't fishermen will quite literally be let off the hook, pun intended. (laughs) But I think it's more than this because I think fishing for people is actually our family business, Jesus's family business. And so as we respond to that invitation, come follow me and I will make you. It's not an invitation into us sitting with Jesus and just being with him and enjoying his presence. There is that. But he's making us into a type of people. Last week, um, Andy recommended this book, Practising the Way, by John Mark Comer. Um, And I bought it, and I'm reading it, and I love it. It's beautifully written. So if you like a really well-written book, this is good, as well as the content being helpful too. But John Mark says this, when Jesus called Simon and Andrew, the phrase fishers of men wasn't a cheesy preacher pun, because they were fishermen, nor a call to snatch people from the precipice of hell. In the first century, fishers of men was an honorific, that means a phrase given as a mark of respect, for great rabbis, because the best teachers had the power to capture the minds and imaginations of their listeners. And Jesus was saying, apprentice under me, and I will teach you to do what I do. Now, that doesn't make it easy, and it might not look like we expect, but let's think some more about it you know in our family I'm married to Nigel who is leading worship with the band today um, he is musical he's worked as a professional musician um, he has a natural musicality and he's also honed that skill he's trained and he's practiced and we have a joke in our family that whenever we drive around various towns Bristol or Bath or London we drive past a building and they'll say oh I've done a gig there because of his his past life if you like And our kids are musical. We've seen that in them. We've nurtured it. We've paid for music lessons. We've been to watch um, countless concerts and gigs. We've listened to endless music practice. And in fact, top tip, if you're a parent with a musical child, I suggest you might buy a rain stick or maybe a flute. Um, Think carefully before you go for the drums because of the implications. But we have seen that musicality grow and develop. There's something, I think, in their DNA, something about who they are, But that has to be grown, and that has to be nurtured, and they've had to work at it. And maybe you've seen that in your own family, there are characteristics that you've seen. Um, Maybe your grandparents were brilliant at hospitality, and you're really good at welcoming people in. Or maybe your dad was a farmer or an engineer, and you followed in the family business, or perhaps your mum was a maths teacher. In fact, is there anyone here who's got, um, who's doing the same kind of job or profession that their parents did? got anybody like that yeah a few people over there great yeah a few yeah back to thank you so sometimes we just kind of step into the family business and interestingly sometimes that's something that comes naturally to us and other times it's something that we're just expected to do isn't it and god's family business is to draw people to himself and to transform the world and so when we choose to follow him when we take up that offer come follow me then we are all recruited into it God's family business is to take people out of what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness, where people are experiencing pain and death and lies and hate and evil, the rule of the enemy, and to bring us into what the Bible calls the glorious kingdom of light, where there is hope and new life and new beginnings and healing and forgiveness and freedom. And Jesus even said, didn't he, the son of man has come to seek and save those who are lost. That's in Luke 19, verse 16. And as I looked at Jesus a little bit this week, I've been looking through the, the Gospels there in the New Testament, halfway through the Bible. They tell the stories of what Jesus got up to. And in John 4, he deliberately went to a well in the middle of the day, which is not when you go and get water, but he went and he met with a woman who had a string of broken relationships. He broke into her life. And so if you're here today and you've got a string of broken relationships and you don't know how to move forward, Jesus is here and he wants to meet with you. He invited himself to dinner with a guy called Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. In those days, they were seen as sinners, they were seen as outcasts. And he said, I'm coming to dinner with you. That was really looked down on in the eyes of the the locals. But Jesus went and gave him a new beginning. And like we said earlier, perhaps today you've come and you know that you need a new beginning and a new start. And Jesus wants to break in. So he went to people and then people came to him. There's that beautiful... um, Incident, isn't there, where there was a lady who had been suffering from bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent all her money on doctors. As she came to Jesus, she reached out, she touched the edge of his coat, and she was healed. And the paralyzed man who couldn't even get to Jesus because his body didn't work, but his friends brought him, and two wonderful things happened to him. His paralysis went, so he was physically healed. But also, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, so he was spiritually healed. And maybe today you've come and you need physical healing. Maybe today you've come and you need spiritual healing. You want to know that you're forgiven. And we've got some opportunities to think about that and to encounter Jesus like that in a few minutes. But what, the question I'd like you to ponder just now is this. So where have you encountered Jesus so far? Where have you seen or experienced the kingdom of God, this change? This change. I mean, for me, it's been here sometimes with you guys. I've experienced a deep peace. Other times, it's been at home when I've just sat with them quietly. I've seen justice and righteousness coming as I've invested and partnered with charities like International Justice Mission, who we support here, and Carries Kids. We've seen people's lives change. That's the kingdom coming. So, where have you seen Jesus moving and the kingdom coming? Just have a think about that for a moment. You know, once we've had those personal experiences of Jesus and seen his kingdom in action, then we have something to share. We might not know all the right answers, all the things to say, but we've experienced something of him, the king of all kings. And Jesus says that we are to be witnesses. We're not to be lawyers who can debate well or those who have all the answers, but we are just to be witnesses to share what it is that we know and we've experienced. I might not be following Jesus today if it wasn't for a group of grown-ups who took some time off work to run a holiday club, or a single lady called Anne who never had her own kids at all, but invested in loads of children like me, who took my concerns about the state of my heart and the fact that I was a sinner when I was just seven and explained really relevantly and clearly what I could do to to come to follow Jesus, and a whole bunch of other people who've invested in me and prayed for me and supported me. Many of you are in this room too. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about our job in the family business. He says that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we are representatives of Jesus to other people. And in this kingdom business, there are many roles, but we're all on the payroll. Some of us have different skills and experiences. Some of us have different abilities. Some of us are more high profile, some of us are more hidden away. But we're all involved We're sent to different areas of society. We're sent to education or healthcare. We're sent to the family, to business, to government, to media, to entertainment, all kinds of places. And in fact, tomorrow, it's our day of prayer and fasting, as Pete mentioned. And in the evening at eight o'clock, one of the things we're doing is praying into those different areas where we are sent to see how we can see God's kingdom coming in those places. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are automatically drawn into this family business, and His priorities and values become ours. Now, I, I don't know if any of you have ever been on what we call a mission trip. You've gone somewhere else to tell people about Jesus. Anyone ever done that? I know a bunch of you have. Yeah. So around this time last year, I was preparing to go to Norway, um, and I went with a, a bunch of folks um, and had the most wonderful time. I was just going to uh, read you a little bit that I wrote in my journal. It was super exciting. I was all ready to go. I prayed before I went. I was kind of listening to God and really kind of engaged in the moment. And we spoke in a couple of churches and we went out on the streets. Um, Unfortunately, my Norwegian is not very good, so I had a guy who was Norwegian who came with. And as we went out, we... um, came upon a guy who was sitting on a bench, it was freezing cold outside, um, his name was Trund. And let me read you what I, what I wrote. We rounded a corner and came upon Trund, sitting on a bench. He told us he was an alcoholic and was very hostile to God, and he was in the conversations with us, he was very hostile to God. He had a pain in his back and in his knee. And he said, if God is real, why is the world so bad? He should come and change it. But he had a moment in conversation with us when he just called out and he said, God, if you're there, help me. And we prayed for him about three different times in this conversation. And the guy I was with spoke to him in Norwegian. And it felt like a holy moment. We sensed the peace of God in the moment at that that time. And it turned out that before we arrived, he was sitting on this bench, he'd reached out his hand to his bag, and he was going to get out a bottle, it was not a bottle, it was a can of beer. And he heard a voice which said, wait, not yet. And then we came around the corner. And he was very tearful, and it felt like just a real encounter with God in that moment. And you know... I had a sense, I I thought, God, God, what would you say to this man? And I wondered if he had three children. I had a sense that he had. Sometimes we call that a word of knowledge. But I was really hesitant to share it because I didn't want to mess it up. I thought, if I got it wrong, he'd say, well, I told you God isn't real. And I was really grateful for the language barrier because I spoke to the Norwegian guy I was with and said, I've got this word, what do you think? And he said, oh, let's go for it, let's share it. So my friend shared the word and it turned out that that Trund does have three children. He'd been out of touch with them for a year. And that very day, his daughter had called him for the first time in a year to say that she was pregnant. And so we were able to pray for restoration of his family relationships and remind him that God really knows him. And then he hugged us and he asked us to keep praying for him. That for me was a really significant moment. That felt like a God encounter that I had gone been gone to another country to have it was a precious thing I still really remember it really dearly and some of you have had experiences just like that but there's an interesting thing isn't there there's a an author called Michael Frost and he wrote this about people who go and people who were sent and he said sentness is not just for missionaries to foreign lands the shift is for all of us students and workers parents and kids professionals and laborers artists and accountants, mums and mechanics. We are all sent into our world. We're given to those we relate to. We're commissioned to our workplace. We're placed in our streets. When our imagination grasps our sentness, our life takes on a whole new dangerous meaning. And So it's not enough just for me to save up and to go to foreign lands every now and again. I need to know and remember and live as one who's sent. And where are we sent to? Well, God sends us, there are three categories you can think of really. He sends us to people, he sends us to places, and he sends us to positions. In the Bible and throughout history, we can see that God sends us to people. You know, Paul in the Bible was sent to the Greek speaking world. Philip was sent to the Samaritans. Perhaps you are sent to work with children or to your family, to older people, to the book club to the school playground. Mike and Debbie were involved in the Christian Motorbike Association. They were sent to people who ride motorbikes in different places. Who are the people that God has sent you to? Where are the places that God has sent us? You know, Jesus told his disciples that they would be his witnesses and his ambassadors in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And at church, you'll know that we have what we call our global partners who are sent to Brazil and Central Asia. But did you know we've also got local partners and they are sent to Eastleigh and Week and Andover and Bishop's Waltham and Romsey and Winchester. And if you didn't realise, that's us. We're the local partners who are sent. And then God puts us in different positions of influence and authority and we can see that through history, that followers of Jesus are put in different places. Think about William Wilberforce and the effect he had on slavery, or different people who've influenced sport or theatre or different areas. And within our church, we have people who are sent to be teachers or head teachers or deputy heads, people who are healthcare workers, who develop IT, who care for the vulnerable. We're sent to all different kinds of positions, aren't we? So sharing Jesus is not all about preaching from a pulpit or approaching strangers in the street. Sometimes that's what we are invited to do. But it's about living our lives the way that Jesus would live them if he were us. Being the best parent or the best cleaner or the best decorator or the best piano mover or the best landlord or the best nurse or the best IT consultant or the best farmer or the best physio or the best neighbour that we can possibly be and next week claire is talking a bit more on the different ways that we can share jesus so we are going to be looking into that but i'd love us just to consider for a moment this question where are you sent which people or places or positions has god sent you to whether you're working or retired whether you're at home looking after kids where's he sent you And so as we look before, the family business is to help people find Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's our job too. Jesus said to Simon and Andrew, look, you fish for fish. I'm going to help you fish for people. So leave your old way of doing things, the way of doing things for yourself, and come and think my way and do something differently. I'm going to show you how to do it. In those days, being a fisherman didn't require having a degree or a particular intellect or personality type, but it did require hard work and patience and the ability not to give up even when there weren't any fish. The fishermen who didn't get up, would, give up would get better and the catch would come eventually. The only ones who didn't catch fish were the ones who stopped fishing. But for those who did, the reward was far greater than the cost of throwing out the net. And so being fishers of men, we don't have to be from a particular culture or class or educational background. We don't need to feel that we're gifted evangelists because Jesus has enrolled all of us in the family business. Now, I'd love us to go back to that feeling or emotion that you felt right at the beginning. If you were confused, you didn't know about being fisher of men, then I hope you feel that you understand a little bit more about that concept. If you're excited, I'd love you to think about that maybe you are called as evangelists maybe you know you are there are those amongst us who've been gifted with that special supernatural gift and if that's the case we're so glad you're here and we need you to show us and train us and equip us so that we can be more effective as we help be as we as we to help us be witnesses for Jesus but maybe your feeling was one of fear well how are people going to respond what will they say what will they think of me Maybe your question was, well, look, how can I even share Jesus in a culture where it feels so alien to be definite about something, to stand against the the culture which says, well, you just do you. You can believe what you like. Perhaps you are feeling disappointment because you feel like you have tried to witness and share Jesus before, and you've prayed and you've tried, and it seemingly hasn't worked. Or maybe you're just disinterested. You're thinking, this isn't for me. This is just for somebody else. Well, what I'd love us to do is just to think about where we find ourselves and what it is that Jesus is saying to each one of us today. Because he wants to meet us in that place. In that place of disappointment or fear or excitement or anticipation or confusion. And we've got plenty of time to respond, and we've got some communion. And so what I, as I was preparing for this, what I thought that we might spend some time doing is this. I'd love us to have some time to think about what it is for each one of us. And in fact, I meant to say, the thing that struck me for myself this week about witnessing and sharing Jesus with people is from that passage where Paul talks about being an ambassador for Christ. And what he actually says, he says, Christ's love compels me. Jesus' love urges me. It kind of forces me almost to be an ambassador. And the thing that really impacted me was I thought, I don't have that level of motivation that he's got. It's very easy for me to live my life and to go on a mission trip or to do this or to do that. But I don't feel that level of compulsion And so for me, my response had to be to say to the Lord, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. This is where I fall short. And the only way that I can be different is if you come and change me, if you come and make me like Jesus, if you come and give me your heart and your love and compassion. So we're going to have some time to think. And then I've got four Cs. I grew up in a Baptist church. Everything did begin with the same letter when people were talking. And the first is confession. And perhaps today you have come, and as as you're listening, you feel like God's nudging you with something, and there's something that you would like to confess. Something you'd like to confess to God. Or maybe something you'd like to confess to somebody else. You know, Lynn shared that word about how things get in the way between us and God. And we don't do this very much in our church, but the Bible does say that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. And so, of course, we can go to, straight to Jesus. He's the one who forgives us. He's the one who sets us free. But there is real power in being honest with somebody else, in bringing something into the light and saying, this is where I'm struggling. Please, will you pray for me? And so what I've done, you know, it's to move now just, guys, but I've asked a couple of our life group leaders to come and stand by the fire doors. And if you would like, in a few minutes, there's an opportunity to come and confess. And that will take courage. When we do stuff wrong, we feel quite ashamed about it and we don't want to tell people. It's not something you have to do, but it is an invitation. And it might be that you want to confess something that's getting in between you and God, or it might be that you want to um, confess one of those emotions that you felt that you feel held back by fear or disappointment, whatever those things are. So that's the first thing, confession. The next thing we'll have an opportunity for is communion. In fact, I think we'll have those opportunities pretty much at the same time. And so we've got people who are going to be serving at the front and the back, and if you need gluten-free, it's going to be over here. And communion is an opportunity for us to come back to Jesus, for us to receive the bread and the juice, the wine, which represent his body and his blood, which represent the opportunity to come back into friendship with him, And to know we're forgiven and free. So you might want to confess first and then take communion. You might want to take communion and then go and chat with somebody. Either is fine. And then the invitation is, so what's our commitment going to be? What does it look like to live differently? Because we don't just want to be people who rock up at church on Sunday and who hear a talk and then go home and have forgotten it by lunchtime. I don't. I want to be someone who's actively following Jesus and being changed. So maybe your commitment is to review the Lent practices you looked at last week and actually make a commitment to, yes, I am going to try again this week. Maybe it's a specific thing about spending time with Jesus or writing a letter to a friend or whatever it's going to be for you. There's an opportunity to commit. And then finally, after all of that, we're going to have a chance to be commissioned. And maybe God's highlighted to you today that he sent you to a particular people or place or position, and we would love to pray for one another and so that we can be filled with God's Spirit as we go. So why don't we just spend a couple of minutes thinking about those four things. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sit in quiet as we think. Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing invitation to follow you. Thank you that as we do, you change us to become like you and you work with us on the job. And you call us into your family business. And Lord, for me and on behalf of our church, I want to say thank you. I want to say please come, Holy Spirit. Please come and make us the best branch of the kingdom that we can be where you sent us. Please come and highlight those things that are getting in the way. And fill us with your power and presence to be different. Amen. And so why don't we just spend a moment being quiet now. And just see what it is specifically that the Lord's highlighting for you.